All content on this channel is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be construed as professional financial advice. Should you need such advice, please consult a licensed financial or tax advisor. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of information on this channel. talking today about ethereum um which is a cryptocurrency i know we don't deal with a lot of cryptocurrencies in the podcast so you know this is going to be an interesting episode yeah it's uh it's definitely um other than tesla this will be uh another one that you and i have both geeked out on in the past um but this one unlike tesla is not a not an equity we're not we're not talking about a traditional stock it's a it's a totally different asset class in cryptocurrency Although, because I'm a little crazy, I'm going to try to make the argument later on that uh, it actually, it, even though it's a cryptocurrency, maybe we can start looking at it as like a stock or at least a bond. Yeah. Um, totally. So, so um, let's dive in, Gil. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to do, you want me to do a quick, uh, quick background as fast yeah. as I can on what it yeah, is? Yeah. I think most listeners have probably heard of Ethereum. It's the second largest cryptocurrency after Bitcoin. Um, Ethereum is the platform. Ether is the cryptocurrency traded on the platform. But what's kind of cool about Ethereum is it's uh, it's a open source blockchain with smart contract functionality. And a smart contract is just a program that's like, if this, then that, like any predetermined condition uh, executes the contract that's on Ethereum. So it's kind of got a little bit of functionality built into it where like Bitcoin is just a coin, a store of value. Ethereum has almost like a like an application layer that you can build stuff on. That's the primary difference. It is uh, the second largest crypto after Bitcoin, like we said. Um, very, very popular. Very, I think, more widely used in terms of like trading actual currency, like buying and selling stuff, specifically NFTs. You'll see more Ethereum, I think, than mm-hmm. anything else. Maybe some Solana, but um, that's what it is. That's where it sits. It's in the middle of a big uh, network upgrade, which we can talk about, but. Just in terms of background, it is it is uh, huge. <laughs> it's the, yeah. I would say it's the main the main currency for transacting in crypto. Now, can you tell me about your personal history with Ethereum? I know you hold the position. I bought it around the same time I bought Bitcoin, and I didn't really know a lot about either one. I'm trying trying to get into market and crypto, yeah. everyone's talking about crypto. You dabble, you, you buy a couple bucks. Of- you just go and YOLO. <laughs> yeah, YOLO. I, mean, I didn't put my life savings into it, but you know, you just want to kind of test the water, see how it works. Can I can I put this on a on a cold wallet? Is that hard to do? How do I store keys? You just want to play around with it to understand how it works. So I got into it early, a little bit, nothing crazy, uh, and stored it and sat on it forever. I guess the only interesting story is um, I tried to get rid of it. I actually tried to buy, or no, I tried to make a donation in Ethereum in like 2019, maybe 2018. I was just like, it was floundering. I don't know, it was worth whatever I paid. I don't remember what I paid for it. It was up maybe 10% or whatever. And I, I was just tired of checking it. I was moving it over to Coinbase. So it had just started. It was like a whole headache. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to like, I wanted to make a donation. I was going like, to make it in Ethereum. They take it in Ethereum and Bitcoin. And I go to the website and I click through the links. I actually remember this. And like, I kept trying to do it and I couldn't do it. Like I had to <laughs> copy and paste the whole key. It was long. 
my wallet address was really long and uh-huh. I'm like it, it, I couldn't make sure it was exactly the same and wanted me to confirm like six different times and then there was like an additional fee to make the transaction and I was and this is like before trading anything in any kind of frequency and I was just like whoa this is really complicated like I don't know I felt I felt like I was like in the black market you know I was, I was <laughs> making like a charitable donation and I felt like I was buying arms from Syria or something so I, uh, I just didn't, I was like, yeah, f- you know, fuck it. I'll just leave it in the account and look at it in two years or whatever. And then everything exploded. So I was really happy that didn't happen, but that, that yeah. was the closest, uh, closest story. Wow. What about yeah, you? Cause I mean, in 2019, Ethereum might've been around sub $100 and then at its peak, it was at 4,000. So it was a good thing you had like diamond hands ho- go- going for you in that way. Yeah. yeah. Well, you asked for an interesting story. That doesn't mean yeah. I haven't bought and sold at terrible times over the last five <laughs> years. So. Don't, don't give me a lot of credit. The first cryptocurrency I ever bought was Bitcoin. And then after I bought Bitcoin, it's like digital gold. It just sits there. You just, you know, stare at it and fondle it. And I was thinking about like, okay, what else is there in crypto? And in doing my research, I, you know, a lot of people were talking about Ethereum. So I, I looked into it. I think that was somewhere around 2020. Um, at first I was skeptical because I didn't feel like a lot of stability. Um, and, uh, you know, the more I researched and specifically when I started listening to uh, podcasts that had interviews with uh, Vitalik Buterin, who was the, one of the co-founders of Ethereum, um, that kind of, once I started listening to him and I realized he was a pretty smart guy, um, that's, that's when I started doing, doing like more serious research into um, what really is Ethereum, what it enables. And then, you know, I got a little bit more excited once I saw that it was actually powering a lot of the things that um, people are truly excited about in crypto. I know a lot of people who are like not into crypto will laugh at NFTs, but in the crypto space, like NFTs are actually like a big thing. Um, and if you believe in it, then you think like the future is going to have wider and wider applications for NFTs. Um, and Ethereum is one of, is, is, is like supports NFTs. So you know, the more NFTs get bought or created or sold or traded, um, the more Ethereum is being used and adopted. Um, and there's also this other whole area called decentralized finance, where um, a lot of uh, crypto solutions are trying to take over a lot of the traditional functions of banks, like lending, storing value, um, uh, borrowing, um, making and making all of those things happen seamlessly, transparently, um, and all... Uh, permissionless. So you don't need like a bank to mediate all those transactions. You just need a protocol um, on happening over a cryptocurrency exchange. Then you can buy and sell things, borrow money, lend money, that kind of thing. And Ethereum is one of the things that's powering that kind of um, decentralized finance uh, application. So I, once I saw the adoption and the use cases for it, um, I started digging into it and I bought a position. Um, And then uh, I just wanted enough to like run a node and then um, I added, added some more there. So uh, I'm now sitting on a bag of Ethereum um, and it is like kind of at a, I, I, I have it at a loss because the, uh, uh, I was buying all the way up into the 3000s. Um, so now the price of Ethereum is in the 1000s. So um, I'm holding it, I'm not selling it. And I'm actually thinking about adding more. So I'm just kind of like skipping ahead to the end of this thing. Yeah, um, stop giving away the punchline. Yeah. No one's going to listen. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Gil. So, yeah. Be a professional. Um, <laughs> I'm holding it at a loss, but, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see. Temporary, temporary loss. 
Yes. Also, you, you reminded me um, of my, mm. my best Ethereum story, actually, which is my saddest Ethereum story, which is relatively recent. And we'll tie into the next piece of this conversation. Oh. I have a decent sized chunk of Ethereum locked up uh, in Celsius, the staking platform. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. For those of you who don't know, uh, Celsius is a platform where like you put your coins on there. Yeah, then it was anything. It was, you know, could have been any crypto. And they will pay you an interest rate to lend it, basically. Uh, so someone can borrow coins like any lender, but they pay you a premium for your coins and you leave them on there, which sounds fine in theory until the asset that you're lending drops like a billion percent and they're overdrawn and they've been Ponzi scheming for nine months uh, on other versions of Ethereum was my understanding. So right. basically you, you can't pull out your money. So they, they locked withdrawals. So theoretically it's not gone, but uh, everything I've read about the company, they're basically dead. And I don't think I'm ever going to see that money again, which is really sad because that, that was, really uh, sad. That was yeah. a chunk of my Ethereum position. And again, underlies the risk in this space. It's brand new. Uh, there's a yeah. lot of stuff going on. I mean, you saw, um, I forgot the with Terra, you know, like there, there's, there's a lot of things happening that will probably not happen again, like very early days of this whole ecosystem. It's where, still the wild west. It's still it the really wild fucking is. west. Yeah. You know, I don't know. You probably, I mean, you remember, I remember a little bit. It's like early internet. That's what it yeah. reminds me of. It's like a yeah. lot of companies creating infrastructure and ideas and concepts that will probably not exist when this comes to fruition, but they're building the baseline necessities to, to enable this ecosystem. I don't like, right. Right. I don't like, right. like Netscape, like, Oh, you can build a browser. You can go on yeah. the internet and do stuff. That Netscape. company's gone. That yeah. company's yeah, gone. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know? Um, yeah. but, but it, it was a pioneer back yeah. in the day. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it is Ethereum pioneering this, uh, you know, this layered internet or, or this, whatever, um, you know, creating a, an application infrastructure for crypto. Uh, but they're going to disappear and someone else will replace them. Or are yeah. they, because they have some first mover and they're able to get consensus, maybe they're the ones that emerge. It's really hard to tell. But I, I think yeah. the, the Celsius story, one, talks about staking, which is something we can get into. And two, just underlies, again, this is there's so much more risk here um, than in traditional equities that we normally talk about. Yeah. And then, you know, just a comment on that, like, so there's so many like people who don't aren't into crypto are always think it's a scam and then that bad things are always happening and there's like just you know really bad people who use crypto and most of the time you're always just trying to fight the fud the fear the uncertainty to doubt and say no 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 crypto is legitimate and you know there's a lot of like good uses to it people there's a lot of smart people trying to build on this and then shit like this celsius thing like this celsius blow up happens and then you're like oh god no there, there actually were grifters in crypto, <laughs> but, but I, the thesis fundamentally is the same as you said, which is that I think we are in the early days, like just like the early days of the internet, and yeah, like the web ban imploded and took a lot of investors down with it, but you know, a different version of web ban later on, like Amazon, um, uh, rose up from the ashes and became a pretty valuable company. So, um, you know, the risk that you take as an early investor is accidentally getting into a web van and not catching the Amazon. Um, right. But that's, you know, if you want to make money, you got to take some risks. So, yeah. And the truth you is, some you still would have done just fine if you had half of your net worth in web van and half in Amazon. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> 
right? Take so a fifty percent haircut, just go for the ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, at that point, you're you're rich anyway. Uh, you, yeah. If you take a decent bet, so I think the, the point there is there's a lot of horses in this race, like and and most of them are garbage or don't serve much utility. But there's a few others. I think you know uh, Solana is one you and I have talked about in the past. That's mm-hmm. probably the next largest utilized currency that I've seen, especially for NFTs. So that that's around people transact in that they have uh, a, a more modern infrastructure potentially, uh, or at least it's slightly different approach that could prove better, cheaper, faster, uh, and they could come out on top. Uh, but just because you're bullish on Ethereum doesn't mean you cannot be bullish on others. Uh, and it doesn't have to be a zero sum game for this. It's not like there can only be one platform that everyone trades on. You yes, could have so a couple. You're so, talking about a multi-chain you know future yeah yeah it's, it's not it's, it's not predetermined that there's only going to be one chain with everything on it and the more i've seen different use cases for different coins the more i believe you could probably have at least two or three uh different ecosystems on the other hand it could be like the highlander movie where you know the highlander <laughs> has to kill all the other highlanders and then become yeah. you know they're all immortal whatever, whatever so there could only be one is all i'm saying you got you got to <laughs> modernize your references and, and talk about the loki show on marvel and eliminating variants in the no i refuse i refuse to cater to gen z okay <laughs> it'll be oh, old of an old you're gonna, you're gonna roll with highlander you're starting you're really channeling your your buffet <laughs> so old <laughs> Uh, okay, so let's talk about the merge. The famous merge. Ethereum's been talking about upgrading their network. The network's moving from proof of work, which is a mining protocol, to a proof of stake model. It just makes everything faster. It's much more energy efficient, and it's going to be much cheaper transaction fees to use it, which basically, I, I don't think that's like innovative. I think that's going to get them to catch up with like Cardano and Solana, which already use proof of stake. So to me, it's just modernizing their network. Um, the interesting thing is how long this is taking. It's mm-hmm. a three-phase process. It was supposed to be done sometime last year. Then they said it would be done sometime this year. Then they said it would be done by the summer. I just watched a podcast with Buterin or found one of the founders of Ethereum on it, and he said it'll be done by August. So um, maybe September. Know, maybe September. Yeah, it's some, maybe yeah. this year. Um, But I think the the main piece is it's going to modernize and update this infrastructure. And that makes it a lot more appealing. And again, because of its wide adoption, that's a big deal. It's not like another currency that can do this. It's it's already the second largest moving to a fully different model that will keep it, you know, if it has a lead, it'll it'll help it maintain its lead and not get overcome by some of these uh, up and coming Ethereum competitors. Yeah. And a lot of people are, are, I think, rightfully so um, excited about the merge. Um, it, I think it's a big deal in the sense that it fundamentally changes the economics of Ethereum. Right now, Ethereum pre-merge is proof of work, as you said. That means then that the network is secured by miners who use intensive computer power to secure the network and then therefore earn mining rewards in the form of Ethereum. So that means that the Ethereum supply is, well, inflating by a certain percentage every year because of the rewards that are given to miners for the role in securing the Ethereum network. Once Ethereum moves to proof of stake, uh, everything changes. There are going to be no more miners. Instead, there are going to be stakers, people who are running these Ethereum nodes that require a minimum of 32 Ethereum um, in order to run a node. 
Do you have any idea why the 32 number? I was trying to look into that and I, I didn't. I, I think didn't in an interview, it's just Vitalik just chose that. And then that was mm -hmm. it. So yeah, I mean, it's you? almost, it's just for your average investor. I mean, the minimum there, you're close to what, 35, 40K? Yeah. Yeah. It's, stake, it's, yeah. it's fairly expensive to stake. Yeah, it's not, yeah. it's not cheap. It's, it's like a small car. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so, uh, yeah, after you, you, they moved to, Ethereum moves to proof of stake, the, uh, you're now able to stake minimum of 32 Ethereum into as a, a staker running a node, you're able to help validate transactions and secure the Ethereum network. Um, so you're playing the role that the miners used to play. And you do get a reward for staking. Um, however, the way that the rewards are assigned in the proof of stake model is different than it was in mining. In mining, it was more like there were rewards and then they were issued to the miners and that was it. The miners do whatever they want with it. And most miners just sell Ethereum to cover their daily costs of um, running their hungry computers. Um, now in the staking model, um, the every transaction in Ethereum, every time Ethereum is moved or used in any way, incurs a transaction fee. And the transaction fee is split 80-20-ish where 80% of that transaction fee is just burned, like gone, the Ethereum disappears. And the remaining 20% of the transaction fee goes to validators who are staking 30, minimum of 32 ETH, and that is their reward off of every transaction um, for helping to secure the network. So why is this fundamentally different? Like why is this new model fundamentally different? Well, the burn, the Ethereum burn, means that the rate of inflation for the Ethereum supply, like the number, the amount of Ethereum that exists, um, actually gets dramatically reduced. So instead of you know creating Ethereum to reward the miners, and the miners will just you know sell that Ethereum every day, now you are creating a little bit of Ethereum, burning some of it away, and then giving just a twenty percent of what's left from that you know newly created supply from the the, the transaction fee. That, that goes to the stakers. So you're actually dramatically reducing the rate of inflation for Ethereum. And if- And, and, the, and the sell pressure. And ah, yeah, you're right. And then there's that less sell pressure because a staker doesn't actually incur major costs and they could literally hodl or hold their Ethereum <laughs> forever, like uh, unless they really want to liquidate it to fiat or whatever. But most of the people who are who have the mindset of staking will probably just want to hold and compound their Ethereum continuously for until they really need the money. So you will reduce the, the daily sell pressure. And also you, depending on the balance of burn and transaction fees, um, Ethereum might not just be less inflationary than before. It might actually start shrinking the supply if there's enough burn. Um, it is very possible. I won't say likely, but it's like a fair chance that Ethereum could end up deflating its supply, like having less and less Ethereum every year um, as a result of the, the, the burned Ethereum from transactions. Um, and obviously that's like, if you're thinking that you care about the price of Ethereum, um, less supply would probably push up the price of Ethereum um, and also uh, less daily sell pressure from miners because now you have proof of stakers, um, less daily sell pressure from those means it's much easier to for the price of Ethereum to push itself upwards because there's not as much uh, daily sell pressure. 
So those are kind of like the bullish things about the merge. We should probably mm -hmm. talk about the environment too, in general. I mean, mm -hmm. Bitcoin and Ethereum at their peak, you know, I, I think Ethereum's um, market cap, like I was looking at the chart back, back near its all time high, was like close to 550 billion, right? Yeah. Yeah, those I think are the right days. now, those are Bitcoin simpler, and Ethereum, simpler times, simpler times. Yeah. I think now Bitcoin and Ethereum combined have a lower market cap. Uh, so, yeah, it's just wild. I mean, the sell -off, people are talking about public markets and sell off. I mean, this yeah. is this is brutal. If you were buying yeah. any of these near near highs, you're you're really, really underwater. So I've been eating a, I've been eating ramen every day for the last <laughs> hundred days or, out, out of your Tesla? Yeah, it's tough. tough man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you put the seat all the it's, way down and just, yeah, yeah, just some music just on. Yeah, I just on my ROM. I just eat it cold, <laughs> straight out of the package. Yeah. Tough life, tough yeah, life, man. It's been tough. tough, it's life. Been tough. Yeah. You store the ramen in one of your Teslas. And you eat it. You have your eating Tesla, you have your sleeping Tesla. You'll, I feel I like just, you'll be okay. I'm just trying to get ahead of inflation, you know, because uh, the 50 cent ramen packets, I, don't, I can't afford for, for it to go to 55. Yeah. We are we are looking at a food crisis coming yeah. up. We, we should talk, we should do a pod on like macro. The things are crazy. Energy, food, commodities. It's crazy right now. Yeah. The dollar. Let's yeah. call it the depressing episode. Yeah, let's just not do it. Maybe <laughs> we can, like, not speak it into existence. <laughs> wait, wait, sorry. So you, to get to your point, right? Or to, to, to get back to where you were. Bitcoin at its high was 60,000 or something-ish, 60,000, yeah. you know, per Bitcoin. And then now, like today, it's nuking again. So it's like 19,000 per Bitcoin, yeah. right? And then, I, I mean, I remember prices of like 4,000, maybe 4,500 for Ethereum at some point. Yep. And then that's now like it's nuking again today. So it's about 1,100-ish today. So it's, we're sitting on some heavy losses here. We are under fire. Yes. Yes, you're in the you're hunkered down. You're trying to weather yeah, this or, one out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like two things have surprised me. One is that um, Bitcoin specifically, and Ethereum is correlated to that as well. Like I, I, I always thought Bitcoin was a very good store of value, right? Um, like a digital gold. And the thing is that it what it it's been doing is it's been trading like a growth stock, which is. It is interesting because it's like completely not with the ethos of a store of value, right? Like a growth stock, you know, is high beta with respect to the market and, you know, very volatile, which kind of makes sense because it's always been volatile anyway. But, but basically like, you know, if you look at the correlation with like the, 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 the biggest growth stocks in the NASDAQ and their market moves, Bitcoin hasn't actually been like, uh, very much out of step with the way those um, high growth, high beta technology stocks have been trading. Um, and so, you know, stepping aside and putting away my thesis about Bitcoin, it, what matters at this point when we're looking at the price action is what the market participants view it as. Um, and if they view it as a speculative growth asset, then it's going to trade exactly like a speculative growth asset, no matter how I personally feel about it, you know? So that's a, one of the things that surprised me. Um, and because uh, Ethereum has some sort of correlation with Bitcoin in the sense that whenever Bitcoin pumps, usually Ethereum pumps, but a little harder. And then whenever Bitcoin dumps, Ethereum also dumps, but just a little harder. Um, so because Bitcoin trades like a technology growth stock, Ethereum trades like a technology growth stock with a little bit more juice, you know, going up yeah. and down in the slings. 
um, and so on with all the other altcoins who are like lower market caps than um, Bitcoin or Ethereum. Um, so that's one of the things that uh, you know I've been thinking about. And then the other thing is that um, uh, the uh, you can kind of like tell the exact moment when things turned bad. It was probably around November twentieth of twenty twenty one. That was when like the Fed has started to mention that inflation had started to get high. I think the CPI print in November was like seven or eight percent, and like that kind of started shocking market participants. And if you look at the chart, it's been all downhill since there, since then, because you know the Fed's just like the market correctly anticipated that the Fed would be forced to uh, raise interest rates or lose credibility with the market, and then. Um, you know, all of the fast-growing tech stocks started to trade downwards because of that anticipated upward pressure in rates. And, um, you know, the whole crypto industry has started to trade downwards because it acts like a high beta technology stock with a little bit more leverage than the technology stocks themselves. So now here we sit, and we don't know where the end of the Fed uh, tightening cycle is going to be. I don't know if we're like on the short end of it or we've got a little bit longer to go. All I do is I wait for CPI prints and then I just see what's going to go on and I stick my finger in the wind and hope for better for 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 better wins, you know. Uh, do we preface this pod with a disclaimer that it's not professional investment advice? This is definitely not <laughs> professional investment advice because <laughs> we're a pair of idiots who just uh, you know, <laughs> talk about markets because we like it, but we we know nothing. And nobody should ever buy anything based on what we say or say, say or do. <laughs> just making sure. Just a little see why. As, <laughs> yeah. as you stick your finger in the wind. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, I, so- I, one one comment on that, that that maybe is interesting. Do you? How do you see? Like I, I've always thought Bitcoin is like like you said more like digital gold. It's something yes. you sit on, you hold. It gives you a little more financial independence it's like owning a brick of gold right like yeah. i don't i'm not it's not connected to a bank it's not connected to underlying anything else i have the value of it myself ethereum's a little bit more of a bet on like decentralized blockchain as a whole like if yes. you think there's going to be a ton of utility there it's amazing smart tra- contracts for insurance companies or whatever that the policy gets automatically executed there's no risk like i could see some utility there but i, I do think bitcoin's more like you know, I, you know, screw the man. I, I don't want to deal with centralized banks or centralized financial institutions. I want my, you know, more ownership of my own financial independence. You know, that, that story maps better to Bitcoin to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, how do you see, like, because it has such high beta and it looks like any, really, it looks like any high growth tech stock. It's very volatile right now. Mm-hmm. That's not like how gold operates and it's not how, you know, uh, any commodity operates. So like a lot of people compare Bitcoin to gold, digital gold, but it's it's obviously super wildly fluctuating. Uh, I wouldn't yeah. feel comfortable, you know, if, if I changed my US dollars into bricks of gold, I feel pretty okay about the stability of my money. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't feel that way if I had bought into Bitcoin at $60,000 a coin that it's not trading <laughs> under 20. Yeah. I, I know. I mean, it's... It is what it is. It's different stages of maturity. Like the gold market has been around for a very long time. And, you know, even something like a gold ETF has been around for a while. It's a standard product. Um, lots of people are aware of it. Only a certain percentage of the population, you know, puts a, per- a percentage of their portfolio in gold. 
um, usually as a commodities-based portion of their uh, portfolio to protect against inflation, that kind of thing. You know, it's got its place, like a gold, owning gold or go, owning a gold ETF or owning a metals-based e- uh, index fund, something like that. Um, they just have a place in people's portfolio and it's usually to protect against inflation and it's a mature market. Um, and, you know, you know, the people say, okay, well, there's industrial uses for gold too. And that actually keeps, you know, um, de- uh, some or- underlying organic demand for um, gold. Um, and of course, like uh, gold is necessary, especially in India, if you want to get married, um, you need a lot of gold um, for weddings. Um, so there's a lot of like demand for gold organically in India during wedding season as well. And then, you know, there's just a lot of, uh, it's a, it's a mature market is all I'm saying. Bitcoin, right. So do you think eventually Bitcoin as it matures will look more like a traditional commodity or do you think it's going to remain more volatile because it's, you know, it, it, it looks more, feels more, the investor class is more volatile. Like my- do you see it? My thesis is that it, it does end up becoming more mature um, and then uh, the price swings will be less crazy um, uh, versus like what we've seen in like the first three happenings of Bitcoin. Um, as future happening, happenings happen for Bitcoin, uh, there's going to be less issuance because um, every time a, hap- a happening happens, um, the Bitcoin reward structure uh, the, the reward for mining a block of Bitcoin um, gets cut in half. Um, the next halvening is happening in 2024, um, around March. So um, I think every time the halvening happens, there's less sell pressure from uh, miners um, because their rewards are literally cut in half. Um, and there's going to be more Bitcoin addresses. Hopefully you've shaken out a lot of the speculators in the weak hands. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it's just going to be a little bit more mature in the future. Ethereum, it can have multiple futures. And it's not like Bitcoin at all, because as you said, it's got the smart contract capability and it's not technically like a digital gold. It's more like, uh, uh, it's more like something that it has utility in the sense that one of the main organic demands for Ethereum is to use it as a computer, a decentralized world computer to like a virtual machine um, that just runs transactions for you and runs applications. So NFTs, smart contracts, DeFi, uh, decentralized finance, all of that stuff running on Ethereum. Every time a transaction happens, every time a movement of Ethereum from one place to another happens, um, every time an action is taken, you know, each one of those things um, bur- uh, creates a transaction fee in Ethereum and everybody complains about the transaction fees being too high in Ethereum. But I yeah. think that that feature that everybody complains about is actually what makes Ethereum economically viable as a cryptocurrency. Because at the end of the day, what Ethereum looks to me is like, it looks like a startup, like a fast growing startup. Like imagine Oracle, in the early days of Oracle, before Larry Ellison was rich, right? Um, What was it selling? It was selling access to uh, a database and and all the tools necessary to to, to access that database, the company. And Larry Ellison made a ton of money for his database company. And Ethereum 
the block space is a database. It's a decentralized ledger that exists in the internet. Um, and every time you want to run a transaction in Ethereum, you want to record proof that that transaction occurred on the block space of Ethereum. So, and it's a limited amount of space. So Ethereum is in the business of selling that space to the highest bidder, which is why if you're running a high priority transaction in Ethereum, you could pay a little bit more gas as in a little bit more transaction fee to make your transaction be a higher priority and then be recorded in that block space a little faster than some schmuck who doesn't have like a high priority transaction going on, right? So, and every time Ethereum, like every time a transaction happens and it has to be recorded in the Ethereum block space on the Ethereum ledger, it costs money. By money, I don't mean US dollars. I mean money in the sense that Ethereum, it's itself money. It's a currency. It's a currency that's used to fuel this virtual decentralized world computer that can do a lot of things. Um, so it's weird because you look at Ethereum and then you just look at it from one angle and it looks like money because I could pay for things in Ethereum. Like I could buy artwork and it's quoted in Ethereum. I want to buy this board eight for 328 ETH, right? Um, Get it. Yeah. So, so there's that. There's that, there's that sense. And, you know, some people have started to buy like actual real world property, like houses and stuff in Ethereum. And you've wanted to donate to charities in Ethereum. Um, so it acts like money. And even like Ukraine during the beginning of the war, they had an Ethereum address and people were just donating Ethereum to them. Um, so in a way it's like, it's literally, it can act like money. It's a store of value. And on the other hand, Ethereum is also like uh, fuel, like, oil, like gasoline. It's used to run the machine. Um, so it's a consumable commodity. And there's always going to be organic, as long as Ethereum remains valuable and provides utility to people, there's always going to be demand for Ethereum because you need Ethereum to fuel that computer. Every transaction that happens, you use Ethereum. So, and, and some of it gets consumed once you have proof of stake uh, going on. Um, and every time you consume it, there's less of it, which means that well, you know, you have to compete for the next bit of Ethereum by paying more for it. Um, and then the last thing that we're trying to get at is that if, like, if you decide to have enough Ethereum and you decide to stake that Ethereum, so you have minimum 32 Ethereum or ETH, um, you can stake it. Now, staking is a fundamentally different thing than just holding Ethereum. You hold Ethereum, you know, you could use it as a store of value. You could use it as a currency to pay people. You could use it to uh, fuel transactions that you want on the trans Ethereum network. But staking is completely different because you're locking up your Ethereum. When you lock up your Ethereum and you start validating um, transactions in the Ethereum network as a staker, you start to receive rewards. And, you know, the interesting thing about those rewards is that, number one, it's denominated in Ethereum. So you can receive a certain percentage um, ret annual return in Ethereum. Um, and the second thing is, it is proportional, your rewards are proportional to the amount of economic activity on Ethereum. Because where do your rewards come from? It comes from transaction fees. And like, uh, uh, how do transaction fees get generated? It's when people want to do stuff with Ethereum. So the more, when you are a staker, you are, it's like you are owning a piece of a 
fast-growing startup and you receive the rights to the distributions, to the earnings as an owner of equity in that fast-growing startup. So all of the people who own ETH who decide to level up and become stakers, they're not just holders of ETH. They are equity owners of transaction fees generated by Ethereum, the company, like this this fast-growing startup. And if you want to evaluate how valuable stock is in a fast-growing company, you would do like the reasonable thing, which is you would look at product market fit. You would look to see if customers love the product. You would like to see revenue growth. You would like to see more and more customers. You would like to see customers talking to other customers about how happy they are with the product. You just want to see like more and more traction. So, you know, as a staker, you were an owner in this Ethereum company. And, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, is interesting about it is that it's technically your returns are not fully defined like the way a bond return is. So if you buy a bond, there's a contractual amount that you get paid every year. So you know what your return is for the bond, which means that it's easy to backtrack and figure out what you want to pay for the bond because you know what your returns are going to be in the future. On Ethereum, there is um, a variable return um, once you stake. And one of the things that can change your return is the proportion of the supply that decides to stake. The APR that you get, uh, the rate of return that you get is dependent on what percentage of people um, stake. So the more people stake post-merge, um, the lower the rewards get, and the fewer, fewer people decide to stake, the higher the rewards get. So people, Ethereum researchers have quoted a range between like 3.5% and 9.5% or even 11%, depending on how many or how few, proportionally speaking, of the Ethereum supply um, decides to stake uh, post-merge. Um, which means that, that it's not even though you could, it's tempting to view Ethereum as a bond, uh, it's not exactly a bond in the sense that the, the return is not contractually defined. It can range. Um, in, so actually it acts more like a stock where um, a stock is like a bond except the returns are not guaranteed for, for stock. Um, it's just the returns are based on what the earnings are. And in here, instead of like the earnings, you're just kind of, depending, it depends on how, what proportion of the population stakes. Um, and then also the second part is, of course, it depends on um, the level of activity on Ethereum because your transaction fees are dependent on um, the econ higher economic activity in Ethereum itself. So it's closer in a sense to, uh, so betting on Ethereum as a staker is closer to investing in the stock or the equity um, of a high grow, a fast growing, a tech startup. And what you really care about as a staker is um, not a lot of competition for staking. So you don't want a lot of other people staking. And then you also want uh, also want more economic activity on Ethereum happening because then you get more rewards that way. Um, right. And as a kind of like a final footnote, even in the bad situation where many, many people stake and then it reduces the APR um, for stakers, yeah, you can moan and groan about that, but actually it's not all bad because if, you know, your 
staking yield gets pushed down because half the supply is staked. There are two good things about that. One, more stakers means more security for the Ethereum network. And then number two, those stakers, they're not selling their Ethereum. They're holding, each one of them is holding minimum 32 Ethereum and not selling it, which means that the free supply of Ethereum is now like much less. Like if there's 100 million Ethereum circulating and half of it gets staked uh, versus like only 10% gets staked, you've got a dramatic reduction in the supply of Ethereum, uh, which right. I, I mean, I would think the price would end up having to go up, especially since, uh, you know, if half the supply gets locked, um, not only is that happening, but also, you know, the miners are not getting any any new Ethereum. It's just stakers. So there's no daily sell pressure. And like the marginal buyer just has to, you know, compete with a lot of other people for the remaining supply of Ethereum, which isn't even increasing a lot every year. Uh, yeah, I think that just has to push the price upwards. This is my thinking about that one. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like, uh, uh, have you, have you heard the, the dollar milkshake theory? Have you read of this? No, what's happening with the dollar milkshake? Uh, it sounds uh, delicious. Look, that's a whole, that's a, <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> Basically that the U S dollar will increase in value because all the other currencies in the world are tied up in the U S dollar in various ways, especially energy. But, mm -hmm. uh, the only way to get more dollars is to print more of your own currency. So they inflate themselves and they buy dollars <laughs> and basically like self-fulfilling oh, self positive feedback loop into increasing demand for dollars and devaluing other global currencies. So in a way, it's also a little bit of a positive feedback loop. The more staking, the more utilization, um, better security and more, uh, more user, more users. You have more wallets because you have more people staking. Yeah. Um, and you're locking the minimum number uh, of Ethereum up in each user. So it, it does give some stability uh, and limit the supply. So I don't know. It's, it's definitely interesting. I, I don't know. Uh, you know, again, like I'd like to see once the, the Ethereum 2 comes out and, and whether that's going to do anything. Right. I, I don't. Uh, my gut is it's going to kind of just happen and no one's really going to care very much. Because... <laughs> yeah. After I spend hours talking about it and researching yeah. about it, it's like, right. It's and people have been yeah, talking yeah, about it yeah, for two yeah, and a half years or two years yeah, already. Yeah, but I, I don't think it, there's not like a moment in time where you're going to snap your fingers and, Oh my God, it's so much faster. Like, I, I don't, I don't really think you're going to notice the average personal notice. And, and yeah. in reality, when this stuff's being done at scale and you're buying and selling, you know, I don't know, NFTs or doing other transactions here where the speed matters or your cost per transaction significantly matters. We're still years away from that. I think we're not. It's not mainstream enough that that stuff matters. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. you know, I'm. I, I think some of this stuff is already baked in. Like the people that own Ethereum or invest in Ethereum already expect this upgrade to happen and to be successful. And there's some risk in that. All right. You could. Yeah. Have it would be bearish all, if it didn't happen in September because that's the market yeah. expectation. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I think people are already baking in that it's going to happen and it's going to work, which there yeah. is significant risk in that. Like, let's say they trip up and they make a mistake and you got a fork and now you got another problem. And, you know, like you could have all kinds of issues that would uh, lower the confidence in Ethereum as your base layer, um, you know, ecosystem. Right. Uh, and that right, would be right. really, really bad. So I think all exactly. that risk is totally discounted right now. People expect it to happen and they expect it to be done right, despite all the delays, which to me is a little interesting. And 
makes me a little nervous, honestly, like in the short term for, for Ethereum. Yeah. Um, Although but, the other uh, argument is maybe it's not baked in because the price has been nuking. I mean, you would expect right, the price to why, be stable. Why is the price, why is the price nuking? That, that, uh, that's really... Fed, I blame the Fed for everything. <laughs> <laughs> you, need, you need one of those hats. <laughs> I've, see, I've seen them. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, all variations of uh, F the Fed. But yeah, yeah. I, I think I think uh, I don't really understand, and and I think it's okay to not understand some of yeah. these like interconnected elements. Like, like you said, Bitcoin trades like a tech startup, but it's not. It's not that at all. There are no earnings. There are no you know. There's no innovation in Bitcoin. It, it is what yeah. it is, and like, yeah. it shouldn't be as volatile as it is. We're just looking at something that's just so early. Like, yes, you and I have been playing around in this now for a few years. Um, you know, it feels like it's maturing rapidly. Like I look at NBA Top Shot uh, as an example of like an NFT marketplace that's pretty lively and works really well. And it, it's easy, you know, Dapper yeah. Labs is a cool startup that lets you kind of transact pretty quickly with Ethereum. If you wanted to invest in an equity, you know, or I, I think they're a private company, but it, you know, th that makes sense. You want to go look at a company like Dapper Labs. How do you view the future of Ethereum and the NFT marketplace? Are they doing unique things? Like, you know, are they making money right on their transaction fees? That's something you can value. I, I don't think Bitcoin is like that at all. And yet it trades just like Tesla, which is insane. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's just very hard to understand how to decouple price movement. So why why is Ethereum tanking right now? I don't know. The same reason <laughs> everything's tanking right now. For the Fed printed too much money. Blame the Fed. Now we're raising interest rates. And, yeah. you know, you've got people, everyone's skittish. And, everyone's and I think scared, because, yeah, yeah. because this is such a speculative corner of the market, right? This is just so, so new. You're going to get all the weak hands out and that's going to drive down the price. Yeah. Now, I, I think it comes down to, to a mentality, an outlook of the world, right? Mm. Do you see us moving to digital currency in the same way we move to cashless currency and in the same way we move to, you know, we created the internet, right? Like, do you see that being the future of transactions and of financial, um, you know, of moving money that you're going to do everything digitally or not? And if you do, you know, you can make some smart bets now uh, on stuff that, you know, and honestly, I still think there's plenty of room to drop. Ethereum might drip below 500. You know, who knows yeah. how low this is. Very possible. Yeah, 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 it's not crazy. I, you told me we got, you know, 500, 400. Like, yeah, I'd be a little surprised, but not shocked. And I, I wouldn't really, yeah. like, I wouldn't not believe it, right? That's totally possible. Bitcoin below 10 too, very possible. I, you know, I, I remember when it was much less than that. <laughs> it's not crazy. Yeah. It's just what your outlook is long-term for this stuff. You kind of have to either say, I see a world where this happens and I'm willing to take a bet on it and, and close my eyes and check back in a year or two or three and, and see where this thing matures to, mm -hmm. which or is five. very different than like, <laughs> yeah, <Or 10>. maybe. <laughs> yeah. But like, it's totally different than like, even Tesla to me is a very speculative company. And you and I are obviously both super it bullish is. on it. It is. Yeah, but but you, can, you can I'm see- I'm a super bull, yeah. It's not so hard to see a world where everybody or, or Tesla is the majority of cars, right? They're, they're, they're better and, you know, they're more yeah. fuel efficient, which really- I had a long now. argument with somebody about that. He, he, I, I said, it's possible for there to be like 40% market share. And he was like, yeah. no, no. And it was no, like, it's not possible. I argued with him all day until my voice was hoarse. I lost my voice. And then he still wanted to argue the next day over lunch yeah. and i was like no well, he'll beat I, you I you, need, you need to work on your stamina <laughs> nobody cares if you're smart or if you're right you just have to hang in long enough 
Yeah. So this is kind of yeah. like that, yeah. you know, I think yeah. if you, it, I believe that maybe we can, we can wrap here. It's like, I think if you believe like, look at, look at what's going on in China right now, right? I've seen videos, bank runs, people lined up around the block of the street, trying to take money out of the bank because they're falling apart. Like yeah. how much do you trust your government institution or your central bank or whoever your, your, your centralized financial institution to, to hold your money. I think we all do. It's the story we tell ourselves, but yes, there is something, there is something that the internet enables where you don't really have to trust any institution, no central owner or central manipulator of your money or of your assets or of your commodities, right? This is real, a, a version of freedom financially that I think is inevitable. I don't yeah. know how long it's going to take one year, five years, 10 years. I don't know. But the concept to me is right. Now it's yeah. hard to pick which elements of that future vision remain. Is it going to be Ethereum? Maybe it's Solana and it's not Ethereum at all. And Ethereum mm-hmm. is never spoken about again, like, like everything else, you know, early days internet that went belly up. It's possible. I don't know yeah. if it's going to be Ethereum. I would just say as someone who's been playing around, um, with NFTs and, and watching this whole thing evolve again at the very early stages, it seems like they're doing all the right things and they've become widely adopted with utility. And, and to me, again, Solana is another one. I have also bought some Solana. I would continue to buy Solana. Maybe that ends up overtaking Ethereum while they stumble through this upgrade. Right. It's entirely possible. And there's no downside to owning both. I, I think there's a world where both of them are existing and, and flourishing. It's totally possible. Mm-hmm. But the way you're valuing Ethereum, again, a combination of a bond and an equity, and a, like, that's all totally rational. And, and, and assuming everything happens correctly, uh, you know, that, that there's, no, there's no problems with this next phase or whatever, uh, I think that's a great way to look at it. And, and even if it does tank out, you're still getting a return. I mean, it's the same especially in these times, right? You want some kind of fixed return or some way to ensure you're earning money, even if the asset continues to drop. Like, let's say Ethereum continues to go down and you're staking, right? If you're earning, I think I saw through Coinbase, which to me is like the safest way to do this. I, and I, maybe I'm wrong about this too. We covered Coinbase as a, as a company. Yeah. To me, Coinbase is the most safe way to trade crypto. I think they employ a lot of people and spend a lot of time securing everything and being very careful about their users, unlike mm-hmm. the lending platforms I've given my money to. Yes. Um, so I think they're paying five, 6% to stake Ethereum and it's liquid. You can move it around. It's not, it's not locked up. Um, right. And to me, that that's a good, that's a good return right now. You told me I'm getting 5% of my portfolio this year. I'm thrilled, yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, so I think you mitigate some of the risk of buying such a volatile asset in such an emerging space by getting a fixed return, which is really nice. You don't have to be technical to know how to do it. You don't have to like sit at the node and you can do it through someone like Coinbase and you can earn a reasonable return. And again, sit on your hands for a while and watch how this thing develops. I think you can make out really well. Yeah. I think that um, even if the APR yields on Ethereum are, not anything to like write home about, like it's in the 5% range, that kind of thing. Um, it's good enough to build like a base of like uh, how much Ethereum you're holding. Um, because if you're really bullish in the future and you can see much higher prices for it, like why not get like literally free Ethereum now by staking, you know? Um, right. And as long as you build a bag, you know, you have a, you're stacking Ethereum and you're bullish on it. I mean, I think that 
like the five percent APR that you're 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 getting right now is worth significantly more in APR terms, depending on the notional price of Ethereum with respect to fiat in the long term future, like five, seven, ten year outlooks. Um, that five percent APR might end up being like a five hundred percent APR or something like that. Yeah, oh, yeah, you are. I'm, I'm more, I'm more of an optimist than you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's really optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, it might be, it, it might be a higher APR than you ever thought was possible. Um, right. So, yeah, like that's that's where I'm at with Ethereum. Of course, this is not financial advice because we're complete idiots. Um, yeah. But I uh, yeah, I, I like it. I, I I continue to hold my Ethereum even at a loss in this massively terrible bear market. And then, um, are you buying more? I am buying more. Yeah, I'm going to plan to buy more. Yeah. Are you spreading your investments? Are you buying other cryptos? Do you own Dogecoin? No, my goal is Solana. Are you buying Cardano? I have a bag of Solana, which um, I I might add a little bit more to, but I I, I, like my goal is to try to triple my holdings in Ethereum. So, Hmm. whatever my notional amount is right now, I want triple that. And then I don't do want you, it, I want it before any run up. Like I don't want to be catching a run up. I want it like right. in the depths of the bear market. Like so that's I the would question. actually where are we? I would actually like to see Ethereum like sub one thousand, like in the five hundred range, because I could buy a bag pretty good with yeah, I bought bag. most of my Ethereum, I think in the seven hundreds back in the day. Oh, he's so smart. Why didn't you tell and me? Why didn't you force if, me? If it, if it gets uh, back down there, yeah, I would. Lo- I feel like I would load up. Yeah, I it's a good. Up. We're not far. We're <laughs> Sadly, we're not too horribly, far. And horribly, we're not far. We're not far from and these prices. My favorite, uh, yeah. my favorite advice, I think, from you. You, you yeah. can't. I forgot who said it originally. It's probably not. You can't, can't catch a falling knife, right? Yes, I mean, like, you don't want to catch a falling knife. But at the same time, the other thing is also, and we've kind of talked about this, if, you know, you think Ethereum could be, and I'm going to quote a crazy price here, $10,000 one day. Did it really matter that you bought at 1100 or, I don't know, 700 900. or 800 yeah. 900 Like, ah, man, it gets you a few percentage points here and there. But you know what? You're going to be rich either way. <laughs> All right. Exactly. So that's uh, that's my philosophy about these things. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not caring so much about the like, you know, bag holding or having things that are lost or, you know, catching a falling knife. What matters more is your long-term thesis and your conviction that um, these are good prices. And if you get better prices, hopefully you have some liquidity to get to get some more at the lower prices. If not, just exactly. hold for better days. You know. Hang um, on for dear life. Hang on for dear life. You know, the nice thing, the nice thing about also um, cryptocurrencies as an investment, I feel like with with startup companies, like if you're investing in a again, I don't want to harp on Tesla, pick any other company, uh, you know, the, like a pizza shop or, or Dutch Brothers, right? Like Dutch Brothers, mm-hmm. like you gotta look at other coffee shops. Like so many things can can happen in in a business and corruption, you've got we were talking about the CEOs hired his brother and his brother-in-law to do oh, stuff. Yeah. Like you just, you just have questions about like humans, like humans run companies and humans yeah. do stupid shit all the time. So like, there's just an element of risk there with running a business, the day-to-day of running a business, the supply chain costs go through the roof. This, you can't get, you know, you can't get parts or, or you can't like these things happen with companies all the time. Like this is not 
there's, it feels to me, I know it's super risky in general, like the whole area, but it feels to me like there's a little less risk. You're, you're basically saying like, I think, you know, I think we're going to have a digital currency future. And, yeah. and, you know, that if you believe that, you really need to own some Ethereum. It doesn't have, like, you could make a big bet on Solana because maybe you're way more technical and you understand some of the nuance there. I don't. Um, I, I think I think it's a much safer bet to, to, like, if you have a simple thesis like that, like, you might, yeah. you might believe that the world's going to run no cars are going to run on gasoline, right? That that's a thesis. I do right? believe now, that. I do believe that. Yeah, yeah. I, I I hope for that. Mm. Um, but you can believe that, and and sometimes even pick the right players, and unforeseen problems will tank them. Mm. I, I don't think there's that much risk like that with Ethereum. I think Ethereum, because it's established itself, and you don't have a new player every day, right? Like you have to build market share and adoption and momentum in a way that's yeah. a little different than like a coffee shop or a car company. Yeah. Uh, and you have so much less risk in the day-to-day operations of that network once it's up and running. I, I yeah. don't know. I feel like if you believe your thesis, like you you can invest pretty safely in a, maybe a handful of different currencies and feel pretty good about it. Yeah. And if and like interestingly enough, like you, you just the, the other thing is um you know in the crypto industry, people are talking about how bad things are getting um and how much grift there's been. But literally, all the problems have been caused by people. Right. The cryptocurrencies themselves, they're like, like, they're just running in the background like a well-oiled Swiss clock, you know? It's like Bitcoin's just been, you know, churning through blocks like the way it's supposed to, mathematically predefined. The crypto is secure, like your funds are secure. But if there's any problem, it's like literally people, like people who over-leverage, people who get greedy, people who do unethical things, like those are all people problems. Like the machine right. itself, like the crypto, the underlying technology, the mathematics, the cryptography, all of that's running really beautifully in the background. And everything, all the shitstorm is basically people running around like a bunch of idiots. Yeah. Yeah. But, so. Totally. And you just remove all of that with this kind of investment, which Again, doesn't mean like, oh, you're guaranteed, whatever. It just means that you've taken out, to me, it's just percentages of risk. Like a little sliver here, a little sliver there, unknown here, unknown there. Yeah. This just, it's different than everything else we've talked about on this podcast to date because it doesn't have any of those elements. And to me, that, that makes it a little bit safer in, in this uh, forest of uncertainty and risk. Uh, it does it does take away some of the risk, operational risk uh, that you get with a company. And again, if you're long the if you're long this kind of future, um, you can you can make that bet with a little bit more confidence than like other thesis another thesis you might have in public market, right? And just you never know. Right? Anything yeah. can happen. Here I don't feel like anything can happen. Something would have to get really fucked up. Yeah. And you know, we had a conversation at the in the middle of this bear market, which we don't know when it's gonna end. But you're asking me. Uh, are, you, are you wait? Are you saying we're in the middle? Because that would be great. <laughs> I, I mean, I think it's we're in the middle. Uh, a lot of people hope we could be at the end, but maybe we're still in the middle. I'm not sure. No, I keep hearing we're at yeah. the beginning. That's, yeah. that's the scary part. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you're even more pessimistic than I am. Uh, the uh, so we had the conversation. You said, "What do you want to do?" And I was like, "I want to lose weight, and then also um, I want to um, like start looking for the next big investment, right?" And I've been, ever since I said that, I've been looking 
And, um, you know, the, from my outlook, really the most exciting thing that I keep coming back to is crypto. Um, there's some yeah. stuff on the edges, like maybe um, like, the, like the cost of DNA sequencing is continuing to drop. And then there's also like CRISPR technology. But you know how like in, in, in biomedicine, like, like it takes a long time to get things to, to market. Like the, lo- the last time we talked about a biotech, it was like Seattle Genetics. And I think it was like 2013. You know, they finally got acquired by Merck at yeah, like, I saw that. Uh, like $200 per share or something like that, you know? When we were talking that about it, it was like in the twenties. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good. That was a good one. Yeah. So it's like ten x in like thirteen years or whatever. Like that's good, you know. But it takes a long time to develop everything, anything in like the biotech industry. And I think CRISPR will fundamentally change biotech. Um, but the returns are going to be somewhere in the five, seven, ten year horizon, and you have to kind of dig deep to try to find like who is going to be good there. Um, and yeah, wait for and the so trials. much risk in that long period of time. There is. You could just get completely wrecked in the middle of holding it. So it's a tough place. But, you know, I keep looking and I, I think I keep my mind keeps coming back to like crypto, like in your idea, the idea that it's early days in crypto. It's like the beginning of the Internet. And if there's any industry that I think will be bigger 10 years from now, I think it is crypto. Whether or not any of the individual blockchains you can know for certain will exist in 10 years. Maybe a couple, like you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum. I, I have some fairly high confidence that Bitcoin will exist in ten years. Like maybe middle confidence that Ethereum will continue to exist in ten years. You know, um, and then there's a whole bunch of other people who are trying to be king of the hill. So it's a very exciting space. If you can just, even if you just kind of like stick with it for a little bit and pay attention, eventually something will like come up and strike you and grab you as a thesis. Um, so if Ethereum doesn't work out, what I'm hoping to do is just stay involved enough in the space where I could catch the next Amazon. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but you, you, but you think you that next alive. Amazon's coming out of the crypto ecosystem? I, I think so. I think it is wow. one of those like world scaling applications um, it's a fundamentally new technology. It's like, it's like, it's at the beginning of like the wave happening. Like in the ni- late 1990s, the internet was a fundamentally new technology that was going to change the way the world worked. It had like implications that touch everybody. Like the way a smartphone, even though it wasn't technically a new technology, it was like a combination of technologies that was going to touch everybody. It was like at the beginning of the wave when like, uh, Steve Jobs introduced it in 2013. So like that was the beginning of the wave in 2013 for the smartphone wave. 1990, late 1990s is the beginning of the wave for the internet and a lot of associated applications. I feel like the crypto is closer to the internet um, than um, it is to the smartphone. Like the smartphone was kind of like a very, like it's like a well-defined technology tree branch. The internet is kind of like a broader technology tree branch. It, like, as long as the internet was adopted, it could enable a whole bunch of like very successful companies to deploy within like the new connectivity afforded by the internet, like an Amazon or an Uber or like Lyft and that kind of thing. And um, like Google and Facebook, all of those things are like niches that are being created within the 
like the larger umbrella of the internet. Crypto is like a very, very wide umbrella. And yeah. there will emerge very, very big applications from this. Like probably yeah, some look, of the I mean, biggest look, applications. Look at, yeah. Look at the board ape stuff happening yeah. in NFTs, right? The through Yuga. Like that's yeah. that that could be it's a, a whole brand. ecosystem in itself. Like, yeah. That could be like the that could be this. like the Disney, the Disney of crypto, like that kind of thing. They have like such exactly. strong IP, you know? Um, and so I feel like I, I and, and the crazy thing is like if you ask me in 1999, predict stuff that'll happen through the internet. I would I could say very vague things about how it could work, but like I couldn't sit there in 1999 and predict Uber or like it would be hard for me to predict Netflix, you know? Right. Um, like maybe it's closer to predict Netflix because, you know, there was Mark Cuban and streaming video and blah, blah, blah. But like literally it was shit. Like streaming video <laughs> was shit in 1999, you know? Um, like so you could sit there and you know something is at the crest of a wave and there are very big things coming out from it, but you just can't enunciate what those big things are going to be. But you know it when you see it. It's like pornography. You know, you know it when mm -hmm. you see it. You know Uber's going to be big when you see it. You know Amazon's going to be big when you see it and understand it well enough. Um, and I feel like crypto is the same thing. It's like the most exciting space that I could see so far. And I know there are big things that are coming out from it. I just don't know when or where, and you kind of just need to keep your eyes open because uh, it's going to come and you don't want to be the sucker who's like not on that train when it comes. Like that's totally. the worst. Yeah. And, and if it's not Ethereum, you will still probably need Ethereum to participate. It's yeah, it could be true. Like, like that the next big thing is uh, scaling, uh, a, a scaling layer, like a level two um, that does ultra fast transactions but the security layer is base level like ethereum yeah right like that exactly. that could be the next big thing or it could be like a so zero big. knowledge roll-up like that that's like that could be big i don't know like there's a lot of things so, that are happening so yeah. i take it you're bullish i am bullish i'm very bullish yes, yes. good yeah. yeah as am so, i I, in, I'm also in. The in. Depths I'm buying. Of this. I've been buying through this whole thing, man. I, it scares yeah. the crap out of me. You know, the, I've also the, the got, bear you know, got... has, has has ripped off half my face. Yet I'm still bullish. Yeah, <laughs> still fighting through. Yeah, I mean, look, I'll, I'll keep I'll keep taking nibbles. I buy in small amounts, so I never really feel that stupid when it runs up or runs down. <laughs> um, but cumulatively, it ends up uh, it ends up being significant. So. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I continue to take little nibbles. Basically, anytime it's it, it's dipped, uh, it's gone up and down. But basically, when it gets below 1,200, I've been buying little bits. Um, if it gets below 1,000, I will buy bigger bits. Mm -hmm. um, and, and yeah, I'm just going to keep adding to the position. Hopefully, at some point, the crypto winter turns into crypto spring, and they'll uh, unfreeze my assets on, on Celsius, which will be worth more than they are right now. Uh, and, and this I'll could be, be a this could person. be a good thing because you're being forced to hold. Like I know it's not fine, but uh. you, know, you you say that as if I'm getting it back at some point. I would be totally <laughs> yeah. fine by me. I'm so no, optimistic about that it. Money yeah, yeah. is gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, the, those are the risks. I think fine, whatever you do out there, if you do want to buy Ethereum, make sure you store it somewhere safe. Yeah, my thesis Don't. is that we'll end crypto winter in two years. Like so. Two I'm gonna, years. Yeah, I think right around like a few months after the next Bitcoin happening, which is around March 2024, um, it takes a couple of months for everybody to wake the fuck up that the happening is happen is happening, and then uh, 
uh, like Bitcoin's gonna pump, and then everything else is gonna pump. This is a series. My... Set a reminder for March first, twenty twenty four, and ask me to call Gil. I, I'm gonna be bold, and I'm gonna make that time prediction um, now. I'm gonna call it so that way, um, if it doesn't happen, I'm just gonna delete this episode, and then, <laughs> and then if it does happen, then I'm gonna get straight crack. <laughs> so. I, uh, I'm putting it in my calendar to give yeah. you a call. I'm making. It, I'm not going to make it an all-day event. I'll give you till the end of the day. <laughs> five p.m. Five p.m. Pacific yeah. time. <laughs> that time. Don't 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 mess around, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna. That's that's my call on when when this is gonna happen. So if I'm correct, which I'm probably not gonna be, um, you've got time to stack whatever you want. You know, so no rush. Yeah. No and rush. The price, no rush. You know, if the Fed keeps raising rates, you'll we'll probably see more for more nukes in um, in the crypto market, which is horrible if you're holding it. But better if you want to acquire. So, you know, the the money is made when everybody is scared. Yeah, this is true. This is true, and and it, it is important to stay vigilant for big opportunities. That you get rich in times like this, not when everybody's cruising. You know. It's you're, you're yeah. lower and you, know, you find something to yeah. really ride. Like, yeah. There's that thesis that like um, in like the, the founders who build like successful startups in bear markets um, are more successful in the sense that, you know, it takes a lot of courage and, and vision and a lot more grit to try to build in a bear market. Um, so that, um, like the best time, actually, if you're doing angel investing, venture investing, um, early growth startup investing is like during a, bear, a massive bear market where all the other VCs are, don't have any money. There's no hot money chasing any of these deals. People are just building in isolation, but they're building really good products in isolation. You just find them, you know, no competition, invest money in them. And then, I don't know, be a billionaire in 10 years, that kind of thing, right? Like the money is made at, in the depths of the bear market. You just got to find the ones who are building. Yeah. With you. I'm in. That's, uh, I sent you a calendar request for I, March I have 2024. Okay. That is the official, just so you're paying accepted. attention, that's the official we will, end we will of crypto drink. winter. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, I, will, will I will use my Ethereum to celebrate to the end of winter. A drink. I, I'm a hundred percent in for that. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the end of this bear market. Yes, you, you should all Let's know. Just a little, That's what I want. One, one more, That's, one more anecdote on on Gilmore. He he once made a similar bet with a coworker of mine. <laughs> what was this like ten years ago? Uh, was it a year out yeah, or Chris, two years out? Chris, you made yeah, a bet. Yeah. yeah, you and Chris made a bet on Walmart uh, versus like, Archer like, Daniels Midland. I think it was five yeah. years out. Yeah, and you put it on the calendar, and you bet a case of beer, and I have a picture somewhere on my phone of you, five years later, sitting in your swimming pool with an entire case of beer, and it makes me happy. Yeah, to his credit, to his credit, Chris, Chris held up his end of the bargain, yeah, yeah. I'm only saying that to to, 
<laughs> I'm just reminding our, our loyal audience that uh, you're very good at very long-term bets. So, but but he uh, did he did when I, when I called him out on it, he did offer me a double or nothing for the next five years for a second <laughs> bet. I didn't take him up on that one. <laughs> so. Fair, full disclosure. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I don't I don't make these bets all the time. Only only once in a while. Yeah, I love it. So buy Ethereum, everybody. All right. Well, that's a good PSA. conversation. <laughs> yeah no no don't buy it Ethereum. <laughs> don't, do your own research and especially don't listen to a pair of idiots like us. yeah yeah but if you so, do buy ethereum well we are having a party to celebrate the end of the bear market in 2024 so be there or be square everybody yeah exactly